Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Can be live from our studios right here in Daytona Beach, Florida. Good to have you back. If you folks have been a part of our live teaching in the past, uh, we finished up our teaching on the book of Romans uh, at the early part of this last June, and we promised that we'd be studying the book of the Revelation. Uh, and here we are today, opening up our study. Today we're really going to be covering the uh, kind of the introductory to this, uh, really, for me, a, a Probably one of the most powerful uh, books uh, in the in the whole canon of Scripture, and, and I've, I've been sharing with those that are in the studio today. Hope hope you're ready for this, and I said I hope I'm ready for this because of what it means and what it does. If you're joining us for the first time, though, this is uh, the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, and it's a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, you can actually go to our website. It's Deb putting on the screen there, www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com, and you can find out more uh, information about the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies and Raven Ministries International. We're not just here in, in Daytona Beach area. We're actually scattered out across the United States, Canada, and in Mexico currently, and going to be spreading out into other parts of the world as God opens up those uh, windows of opportunity. But we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just kind of a bit of um, uh, information here. If you have questions or dialogue or any type of manner, please hold that off until the end of the top of the hour. That way it's not so distracting, especially when we're studying the Revelation. Uh, you're going to find out that... Uh, you really need to listen closely, and I believe God's going to reveal some some tremendous things to you. And so let's keep kind of the kind of the, the, the little banter and the, the the things that really don't uh, pertain to what we're talking about uh, kind of at a minimal. If you have a question on this, you can actually send any questions you have, and you want further. Uh, uh, Revelation or further explanation on something, you can send any questions to Raven at BigGrace.com. We'd be glad to answer those questions, either live on the air during the program or uh, uh, in a personal or private email. Just let us know how you want to do that. Also, if you have prayer requests, you can send them. We'll, we're going to be opening up every every class with prayer. You can send them to pray at BigGrace.com. Send your prayer request in, and we'll pray with our group that comes on and, and uh, studies with us, and we'll have those on our Tuesday night broadcast as well for the Raven Nation program. But once again, so glad to have you. Uh, Pass the word. Send out uh, an email to your your friends, family, whatever it is. Post it on your MySpace. Let them know that we're uh, doing a study in the book of the Revelation. It's so important now because the the day and age in which we live. What we're going to do is we're going to be studying things that are literally going to be happening in real time. And so I really encourage you to be a part of that. And that is Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We would love to have you a part of the study on the book of Revelation. and we're going we're to pray this morning and just ask God to really reveal himself. And, folks, really, that's what it's all about. You know, as I was in there just preparing, reading the words, just studying this morning, uh, you know, this the fear of the Lord. And, you know, when I talk about the fear of the Lord, I'm not talking about an unclean fear. I'm talking about that moral dread of being displeasing unto him that is derived out of the awesomeness of his presence. Folks, listen, you know, I, I know for me this morning, you know, the presence of God is, is thick. And in, in any time that we want to look and see who he is, uh, he'll, he'll show up. And so I really encourage you to pray as we're studying through the Revelation for God to show you himself in, in really a new and more intimate way. For me personally, and I'll talk about this as we get into the study, uh, studying the book of Revelation early on in my life really opened up and changed my perspective on things. And, we'll, and like I said, we'll talk about that. And I'm hoping that it'll do for you uh, what it's done for me and what it continues to do even at this hour in time. Father, we just come to you this morning in the precious name of your son, Jesus, Lord God. And Father, we thank you. 
Father, we thank you, Lord God, that it's your desire to reveal yourself to us, Lord God, in a, in a greater and more intimate way. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, Father, for everyone that is uh, going to be a part of this study, Lord God, whether it's uh, today live or they're listening to it, Lord God, on a delayed broadcast or a recording of it. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, Father, for the spirit of, of God, the spirit of revelation and understanding, Lord God, to come upon each and every one of us. Father, I confess, Lord God, that, that my abilities, Lord God, are, are so limited, Lord God. But, Father, I thank you that there is a spirit, Lord God, that's an enabler, Lord God, that leads and guides us into all truth, Lord God, that, that opens our eyes, Lord God, and reveals your person. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that it's your good pleasure, Lord God, to reveal yourself to us, Lord God, in this late hour. And, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Father, that you would show yourself, Lord God, mighty. You would show yourself, Lord God, holy. You would show yourself just and righteous, Lord God. I pray for those, Lord God, that, that may struggle, Lord God, in their understanding of your word. Father, I thank you that we have a promise in the person of the Holy Spirit, that you will be the one that teaches us and leads us and guides us into all truth. But, Father, I just make myself, Lord God, available as just a tool and an instrument, Lord God, of your hand. Father, I don't have the ability, Lord God, I, the, the, in my finite way of thinking, Lord God, there's no way that I can understand or comprehend, Father, that which you say apart, Lord God, from the revelation of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I just put myself totally, Lord God, Father, in, in, in submission and to your will, Lord God. And I pray that, Father, that, 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 that people could, could filter, Lord God, your revelation, Lord God, through my, uh, through, through my speech, Lord God, that they could uh, filter, Lord God, and, and receive of you, Lord God, through, uh, through the limitations of, of what I can say, Lord God, in regards to your word, Father. Because when I look at your word, I say, never a man spake like like that man. Never a man, Lord God, had the words of life. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll just bring the words of life into each and every one of us today, Lord God. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you just bring us into a closer, more intimate relationship with you. Father, that we would not miss the point, Lord God, and your desire, Lord God, is to fellowship and commune with us. Father, be in this place this morning, Lord God, wherever we're gathered. Father, whether we're here in the States or we're abroad, Lord God, whether we may, wherever we may be, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you would just do a work, Lord God, in us. Father, you'd prepare your bride, Lord God, as that glorious church that you desire, Lord God, to, to, to show yourself to. Lord God, and to work through, Lord God, in this hour before the glorious return of your son, Jesus. And Father, we thank you for all these things. And everybody said, Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Once again, thank you guys so much for joining us. And, you know, I know we're in for a, a, a real, a real, you know, I hate to even use the word because I don't believe it does uh, justice, but a real treat in the things that God has for us. You know, this morning what we're doing is, and if I could put it this way, we're kind of embarking really on a journey Probably to, 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 to one, a discovery, I could say, and probably one of the most revealing and most misunderstood, and oftentimes for people kind of intimidating books of the New Testament. You know, this is a letter that was written, and, you know, we've, uh, modern translators obviously broke it into 22 chapters, but it really stands as kind of that final writing that's been given uh, uh, to man in regards to God's canon of Scripture. And, folks, listen, you've got to look at it in, in that importance. This is it. I mean, it, God chose this revelation as the, his final voice and, and written prophetic word to us. And in, 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 in doing so, I think for us, especially us, and what I consider a terminal generation, now you may or may not believe that we are living in the last days, but, but I do. And so I'm going to preach from the vantage point of at any time that, I could be in the middle of this teaching and the trump could sound. That's, that's where I'm preaching from with that type of, of urgency. Now, whether that last day is today or, or tomorrow or next month, next year or five years from now, I, I don't know that. But, but I know that, 
that, that it's imminent, that it's, it's upon us. And I believe as we study this word and I begin to show you some of the things that he's revealed, the word of God says that, that God does nothing unless he first reveals it through the word of his prophets. And in this prophetic word of the book of Revelation is going to bring a revelation, I believe, to the signs of the times that, that many of you probably have not even considered in times past. Or maybe you've considered, but you really didn't know exactly how those things flesh out. And so this book of, of Revelation, you know, you think about it, it served kind of as a basis for movies and, and for books and, and things that both fiction and nonfiction. You think about in the Christian scene, you know, think about Hal Lindsey's late, late, great planet Earth that I read as a, as it's probably before I was 10 years old back in the 70s and, and it was, it was uh, made into a, a film and, or a Thief in the Night series that came out and, and those things are still available and, and talking about Tribulation Time or the Left Behind books, which have been a phenomenal, uh, for, uh, what's his name? Tim, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins, and they they parlayed that into uh, into into film as well, or or TBN movies, The Omega Code, or The Apocalypse, and even secular things. You know, think about like the Omen series, which you know they were out. There was just spook movies, or or even this Da Vinci Code that had come out. But folks, what what happened? I, I believe with these uh these these books and even these movies, both Christian and secular, is that in most cases they've just simply missed the point. You know, you can watch these things and you think you have an understanding, but they've, they've, they've missed the point of the whole letter. And the whole point of this letter and that what we're going to be talking about is the, the fact that it is a revelation. It is that, that, that apocalypses in the Greek. If you want to write that down, it's just a word. You can look it up in your, your concordance. A-P-A-K-A-L-U-P-I. Excuse me. A-U-P-S-I-S. A-P-A-K-A-L-U-P-S-I-S. And what it is, it's an uncovering or an unveiling. And so what we're going to be talking about over the course of the next several weeks and obviously months is this uncovering or this unveiling. Folks, listen, most people, and you can probably look at your Bible, I can, look at, I can open mine right here, my, my Thompson Chain Reference, King James Version of, of the Bible, and look at, look at the title of what it calls this book. You know, mine says the Revelation, but it doesn't stop there. Underneath it says, of St. John the Divine. What does yours say? To Revelation to John and Apocalypse and, and different ones that will say different things. But folks, listen, you know, it mistakenly refers to this revelation of, of, of St. John the Divine or of, of the Apostle John, however your Bible says it. And it's, it's kind of it unwittingly refers to it as as really uh, his revelation. And some people even call it the revelations. And you hear people talk about it. You, have you ever studied the book of Revelations? Folks, listen, this book is neither an, a revelation or an unveiling of John. Or is it a multiple revelations of anything? The book is simply put, it is the unveiling of Christ. And you might do, like I've done in my Bible, you might write underneath that, that the revelation, the unveiling of Christ. And, and folks, because unless you get the right perspective to begin with, what you're going to be looking for is things that, that, that he didn't really want to reveal to us or desire to reveal in this letter. So as you're studying this and as you're writing your notes down, get your paper out and your pen because I think you're going to need it as we look at this. Write down that we are studying the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And I want you to consider something here. I'm going to give you three passages of Scripture, really, as we prepare to look at the unveiling. And folks, I say prepare because this isn't just something for me, if you're going to get an understanding of it, that you're just going to open up and start reading and say, okay, let's look at that. There's got to be a preparation in your heart, really, for the unveiling of Jesus. And I think about God, you know what, if you want to reveal yourself to me, is my heart condition going to be such that I'm going to be able to see you? Is, is, is my attitude, Lord God? And so, folks, I really encourage you to be in a heart of repentance and, and, and really... Uh, 
And, 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 and understand this, the holiness of God that he wants to reveal. Don't come in this frivolous or hopefully we'll get to, to, to hear something neat that we'll be able to repeat over the water cooler. Folks, this is God is wanting to do something so powerful, I believe, through this teaching. And not because of me, but because of his word. And once again, I'm just here making myself available to him and to you just to share the things that God has revealed in this. And I'm, I'm, I'm confident as I study the word of God that there's going to be things that he blows me away with as well. But I want, to, I want us to prepare for this unveiling by looking at, at three scriptures and really hopefully uh, I don't want you to just know it I want you to know why you know it and that's my whole philosophy on, on teaching you know we, 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 I don't claim to know everything but I, I am an Acts 17 11 type of person that the Bereans were more noble than those of Thessalonica and they searched the scriptures daily to, to see if it was so and so folks for me this isn't just something that I do an hour a day but this is this is really for me it's a life's work it's something I've committed my my life to uh, in this day and age that way when I stand before him He'll say, well done, my faithful servant. So I'm here to first and foremost to serve him and to, uh, to hopefully serve you in doing so. Excuse me, guys. But I want to give you a, a, a few scriptures to look at as we uh, unveil who Jesus is. And the, the first one comes from the, the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verse 19. And here's what Jesus said. And he answered them and said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now you probably ask yourself, what does that have to do with everything? But folks, it, it has everything to do with it. Then Mark 15, 37 and 38. So that was John two nineteen, And Mark 15, 37 through 38 says this. And it says, thank you, sis. And it says that Jesus cried with a loud voice, and he gave up the ghost. And it says the veil in the temple was rent twain from top to bottom. So that's Mark 15, 37 through 38. And I'll show you how these connect together with what we're studying this morning, just in a moment. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 20 is the third scripture I want to give you as we kind of prepare to study this unveiling. And it says, having therefore, brethren, it says boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. And so what you'll see is Jesus kind of tipping the hand or kind of giving us a, a, a foreshadowing of, of this unveiling of himself. He said, you know, destroy this temple. And he said, and in three days I'll raise it up. And he was obviously not talking about the, the temple that was 46 years being built there in Jerusalem, but he's talking about himself. Then, then he says when, when he was upon the cross, you know, he, he, he cried out with a, with a loud voice. And it says that the veil in the temple, the physical temple, was rent twain. In, in verse uh, uh, 19 through 20 in Hebrews, it gives the interpretation of what he was talking about in, in, in the two, two verses. And it says, we have boldness. It says that he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And so, folks, all those things that, that Jesus gave in regards to the temple, that prophecy, tear it down, I'll build it up, that he cried out with a loud voice, all those things were, were, were pictures, a foreshadowing of him desiring to reveal himself to you and to I. He, you know, he wants to reveal himself in power. He wants to reveal himself in, in love. He wants to reveal himself in, in majesty and in, in holiness. He wants to bring the full revelation of himself. And if you guys remember from the Romans teaching, we spent probably 10, uh, 10 days on just discussing uh, the, the tabernacle and how to apply to those things. And all of those things were just a picture of who the Lord Jesus Christ was. And so what we're seeing in the Revelation is the furtherance 
of our exposure to the person of Christ Jesus and, and to his, his righteousness, his holiness, and, and his majesty. And so what, we're, what we'll see really in these passages is, is really the lead up to what we're going to be studying in these 22 chapters over the next several months. And, and what we see here is that, is that the Old Testament tabernacle, folks, and the temple were really just symbolic of that which was to come, which was Christ Jesus. We talked about that. And these places served as a veiled means in which uh, to look forward into the promises of God in relationship to our coming Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want us to do something else. And, and really, folks, once again, it's a preparation for this unveiling in our hearts. And I want us to go back about 1,700 years from the point that this revelation w- was written to, to, to get really kind of another look at what we're going to be talking about here. And where you're going to find that at is in the book of Exodus, chapter 33. And so Exodus 33, 17 through 23, I want you to see... How really throughout the word of God, he is setting us up for this moment of really revealing himself to his, his children. Now look what it says. Exodus thirty three seventeen through 23. It says this. It says, so the Lord said to Moses, he said, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. Now, folks, think about that. We have found grace in the sight of God. And he's known us by name. He echoes that in the 43rd chapter of the book of Isaiah when he says, I've redeemed you, that I've called you by name, that, that, you, that, you're my, that you are mine. And he goes on further in, in the 18th uh, uh, verse of that, that same chapter there in Isaiah 43. And he says, you know, behold, I will do a new thing. He said, don't consider the things of older or, or remember the for, former things. That he's going to do something new and it's going to spring forth. Folks, listen, I, I, want, I want to say this in regards to God's written prophetic word, that more sure word of prophecy. Listen, if he's redeemed you, he's called you by name, and he wants to reveal himself to you. He don't want to reveal himself to you based upon what you've experienced in the past or what you, you thought you knew in the past. He wants to be that, that, that fresh voice of this moment and this hour and time. God wants to bring a fresh revelation, a fresh unveiling of himself. Folks, listen, the, the, the Jesus that, uh, that, 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 that saved me, that transformed me over 20-something years ago. As glorious as as, as that appearing was, you know, I I want to know him in a more intimate and powerful way and revealed way today. I I want him to to, to be that light that shines in the darkness of my life. I want him to be that that hope of my salvation. I want my salvation to be nearer today than when I I first believed. And and, and that's what we're seeing here. He said, you know, you, you found grace in my sight. I know you by name. Folks, today... What we what we're getting from the, from the Spirit of God is the grace of God, that divine influence, that charis, that divine influence upon the heart and the reflection of your life. And so, folks, as we study the the, the revelation, what God is going to do is is to influence our heart, to influence our understanding, to influence our walk with Him, to to influence uh, uh, our relationship with Him, to influence our steadfastness, to influence our way of thinking, and have it to reflect out into a darkened world. Folks, there's there's people out there today. That's in your life, that's in your family, that are waiting for, for Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed in you so that he might be revealed through you. And folks, that's what it's got to come down to. God, reveal yourself to me so that I can, I can have an urgency that wells up inside of me, Lord God. And, and, and out of my belly is going to flow rivers of living water, Lord God, to a dry and thirsty land. And so I believe that moments like this that God brings us to his word to bring an unveiling. He, he's doing it in, in preparation to, to reveal his lordship and his holiness and his salvation and the urgency and the call of his coming to, to a generation that's in darkness. So he says, Lord, 
The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing. This is in Exodus 33:17, that you have spoken for, I, for you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. And Moses said to him, what I believe most of us say to him is, Lord, please show me, show me your glory, Lord God, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all of my goodness to pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And God, we just call out for your compassion today. But God said unto him, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. You shall stand on the rock. And so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Folks, what that is, and if you're right there in Exodus 33, that is a foreshadowing of what we're about to receive through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so you need to know that it's a total foreshadowing. So what we see in this, folks, is really throughout the Gospels, and even, I could say probably without much hesitation, even in the epistles, there's been an effort really uh, uh, to present a, a picture of Jesus. But what we do is we, we see him, we see him as redeemer kind of through the acts of the cross. We, we see him through as a healer through really the working of miracles. We, we see him as a, a deliverer through really the breaking of bondages and the delivering of the oppressed. And we see him as an indweller through the baptism on the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. But folks, all of these things that I just mentioned, as, as revealing as they are, they really kind of serve only as kind of a cursory means of revealing the fullness of who Jesus is. Because you may know him as your Savior, but do you know him in the, in the fullness of the manifestation of who he is? You may know him as your, your healer. You may have experienced those things, but do you genuinely know who Christ Jesus is? Do you, you, you may have seen God bring deliverance into your heart and life, but has God revealed himself to you in, in a place, in a way of intimacy that you, you know him and, and you're drawn to him? God, and may have filled you. You may be, a, 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 be infilled with the Spirit of God, but have you come to that, that ultimate place of, of intimacy, whereas God's going to bring a, a multiplication into your heart and life? And so you, we see those things, and, and really in, in Exodus thirty three seventeen, I think what probably Moses found himself is, is where many sincere believers find themselves. Moses wanted to see God's glory. That is, he wanted to see beyond the veil. You know, he wanted to see beyond kind of that smoke-filled tabernacle that he found himself. He wanted to see uh, God beyond the, the, the flames of the burning bush. He, he wanted to see God beyond the, the delivering plagues that had come upon Egypt and, and brought a people, uh, uh, made a people set free that had been in, in captivity for 500 years. He, 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 he wanted to see God beyond the provision of the, of the, of the, the, the supernatural manna from heaven. He, what did he want? He wanted a clear an unfettered look of who God really is. And folks, undoubtedly, some of you probably said to yourself, God, I want, I want to see Jesus beyond just a couple songs on a Sunday morning. I, I, I want to see who Jesus is beyond a, the, this, the, belonging to a religious institution or going through just some type of, of, of religious actions or works of benevolence. God, I, I want to see you, Lord God, unencumbered by the things of the flesh. My presuppositions, Lord God, my past experiences, Lord God, what I've known, what I've gone through. Lord God, I, I want to see you, Lord God, in your glory. I want to see you in your holiness. I, I want to see you in a way, Lord God, that doesn't just 
kind of moved me for a moment, Lord God, but literally changes and transforms, Lord God, who I am before you that's going to remain steadfast, Lord God, immovable, holy, Lord God, always abounding, Lord God, in the grace of God. That's the God that I want to see. And I believe that's what the, the, the voice in the heart of, of Moses was. And you, you think about that, folks, as we come together today. Somebody that saw the power of God. They, they saw those things as, as, as revealed. We, we see it in the Exodus. And, and still yet he wanted to see the glory. Folks, listen, you can never come to a place that you're just kind of satisfied with where you are in Christ. You can't just come to a place where it's just, okay, I'm okay now. I'm just going to uh, serve my, live my life the way I want to live it. And, 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 you know, I just hope for the best and just, you know, I'm just going to kind of cruise through. Folks, listen, there has got to be that, that burning desire and that insatiable thirst when every single one of us that we are drawing towards him. We are pressing towards that mark for that prize, the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus, that each and every day. Today we're looking at that eastern sky and we're saying, oh, even so quickly, come, Lord Jesus. If, if you're not coming, Lord God, just in, in the finality, Lord God, come upon me, Lord God. Come in a greater revelation as I seek you in prayer, Lord God. Come in a greater revelation as I look to you in your word. And, and, and so we, we look at, at what Moses was, was told here and, and when he asked God to, to see my glory. And I, and I think what you're going to do is, is you're going to see how it applies to what we're going to be able to see through this unveiling. And, and I want you, I want to look at one, two, three, four, five things that, 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 that God spoke unto Moses in, in regards to, to Moses' request to see his glory and how that's going to play out in this revelation of, of Jesus Christ as given to, to, to St. John the Divine. And the first thing that he told him, he said, you cannot see my face. So number one, you cannot see my face. Number two, here's a place by me and you will stand upon the rock. Here's a place by me, and you will stand upon the on the rock. Here's a place by me, and you will stand upon the rock. The third thing, while my glory passes, I will cover you with my hand. While my glory passes, I will cover you with my hand. The fourth thing, I will take away my hand, and you will see my back. I will take away my hand and you will see my back. And the last thing is my face will not be seen. My face will not be seen. Folks, really, I want, I want to say this, and you can put this down. This is an outline of the whole New Testament leading up to John's revelation of Jesus Christ. That's all it is. Everything I just said right there, those five things that Deb has placed upon the screen, if you're listening, watching this live... Those things are an outline of the New Testament leading up to John, uh, John's revelation of Jesus Christ here in, in, in the unveiling. And I want to show you exactly why that is. The first thing he said, he said, you cannot see my face. And folks, what that speaks of, it, the face speaks of a fulfilled intimacy. And so what he said, at, at this point, there, there cannot be the, 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 the fulfilled intimacy that you desire. And let me give you a scripture for that. And he, this, is the, this is the outline of the New Testament. He said, you, you will not see a fulfilled intimacy. John 1, 1 through 10. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And I want you to see how this plays out. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him not anything was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent of God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. 
He was not the light, speaking of John, but was sent to bear witness of that light, Jesus. That was the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. In other words, you cannot see my face. So, folks, listen. The first point that he was showing there when he was speaking to Moses, he was laying out what would happen. You know, the light came into the world. That, that, you know, the glory of God desired to come, and men could not comprehend him. And so, folks, what, what, we're, what we're seeing is, is going to be a progression of how God wants to reveal himself. And ultimately, in this final book of, of this canon of Scripture that we call the Bible, this ultimate fulfilling. But really what happened initially, and think about when, before we knew him. We, we, could not, we could not see who he was. And I think about a desperate world out there that cannot see his face. Because they do not know him. There's never a place fulfilled intimacy. And, but what it takes is, is a people getting the revelation of God, having an urgency in our hearts and in our lives to boldly preach the word of God without compromise, without wavering, that there might become some type of comprehension. The word of God says that no man calls Christ Lord except the Spirit draw them. They've got to be drawn to the light. And he tells us that that light came and it became the light of Men And so what happened when Jesus came, they could not see him. His own people could not see him. And we know that the, the story that they ultimately re- rejected him. Here's the second thing that he said. He said, here is a place by me. And so you cannot see my face. Here is a place by me. The first part of number two. And folks, what that speaks of, of is an, of inheritance. And he says, you cannot see my face, but there is a place by me. And you know what I, I think of when I, when I, when I, when I read that? I think about the downfall of King Saul. And, and David is a man after God's own heart, a man that, that, that hid the word in his heart that he would not sin against him. That, that He began to cry and he said, Is there not any people of the house of Saul yet alive? And they said, Well, there's yet one. And it was obviously Mephibosheth. It, it was a, a, a young man that had been crippled because of the, uh, his nanny was running with him and he, and he dropped him, but he was crippled. But but David wanted him to know, and he brought him into his table, and he said, You know what, Mephibosheth? You're always going to have a place by me. And folks, that's the mercy of God, that his kingdom, and, and Jesus is prophesied that he'll sit upon the throne of David, and to that, that kingdom there'll be no end. And what he's saying is, listen, you may be crippled, you may be broken, you may be despised, uh, you, you may not even have had the fulfillment of that intimacy, but I want to let you know that I've, I've offered an inheritance to you through the cross of Calvary, through faith in the finished work of, 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 of my son Jesus. And there is a place reserved for you at, at my table. You know, I think about the 23rd third psalm that he has prepared a place for me in, in the presence of, of, of my enemies, that, that he has got a place of inheritance for me. Now think about this, Matthew one twenty three. he speaks of a place by him. And it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. In other words, we've got a place with God because God has come and made a place with us. And so you cannot see my, my face speaks of fulfilled intimacy. There's a place by me speaks of the inheritance that has been offered to us uh, uh, through faith in, in the finished work of the cross. And he said, you will stand upon a rock which speaks of truth. And so I've given you that place. You, you, you haven't had that place of intimacy, but I'm telling you there's a place. But the way to that place, the way to this unveiling that we're going to be talking about in these 22 chapters of the Revelation is the truth. Matthew 16, 18. You, you probably know it well. He said, I say unto you, you are Peter. You are the, 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 the Petros. You're the little rock. But upon this rock, the Petra, which is speaking of Jesus, he said, I will build my church and that the gates of hell will not 
prevail against it. In other words, folks, if you want the, the revelation of who Jesus is, you have got to be grounded in the word of truth. You have got to stand upon the rock. The only place that's going to elevate you to a place of, of not just God with us, but us with him, is upon the foundation of the truth. There are no shortcuts. What you're going to find if you're joining us for the first time, we're, we're not going to be in a big hurry. What we're going to do is we're going to stand upon the rock of God. We're going to, we're going to line upon line, precept upon precept. We're going to ingest the word of God. We're, we're going to uh, we're going to let it stew in, 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 in the pots of our souls. And we're going to let God reveal himself to us in a greater way. Folks, you've got to study to show yourself approved unto God. You've got to be that workman that, that's rightly dividing the word of truth, that you will not be ashamed. You've got to be that, that Berean-like person that searches the scripture to see of its soul. If, indeed, you want the revelation of who Christ Jesus is. Unfortunately, many times because we, we're out in the streets and we're out in the, the, the nations like many of you are, that, that you've reached, you, you talk to people that claim to have a revelation. They claim to know who he is. They claim to have an experience with him. But there's no rock. There's no foundation. Folks, the word says that the rock that the master builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Because they did not see him face to face, they rejected that rock. And that rock has been extended to us. He said, upon it, he's going to build his church and that the gates of hell will not uh, prevail against it. And so you cannot see my face, intimacy. Here's a place by me, inheritance. You will stand upon the rock, truth, while my glory passes, which speaks of the presence of the Lord. Folks, listen, in his presence, there's fullness of joy and he inhabits the, the praises of his people. Folks, Praises isn't what we do with a drum behind us and a keyboard on, on, on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night. The, the praises of God is, is what comes out of the life that's been changed and transformed by the, by the regeneration of the new birth, which we, we see throughout the Word of God. And so Matthew 17.5 says this. Matthew 17.5 says, While he yet spoke, speaking of Jesus, this is when he, he was at the Mount of Transfiguration. It says, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, and who I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Folks, listen. The presence of God is not going to be marked by, by weird or flaky manifestations. It's really not. Those, those are not the litmus test of the presence of God. It's not your goosebumps. It's not your big bam bang. It's, it's not any of those things. Can God be revealed in those things? Absolutely, I believe that, that those things are, are symptomatic of the presence of God. But what the presence of God is revealed in is, is the voice of God. It's when God speaks to you in the intimacy of that still, small voice. That it's, it's not the, the earthquakes, it's, it's not the wind, it's not the thunder and the lightning, but it's when God brings himself to you and he reveals himself to you face to face in those intimate moments. Those things that transcend anything that can be comprehended or even uh, 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 ascertained or, or even uh, uh, recognized in the natural. It's something that is so supernatural. We serve a God that is supernatural. And, and his, his, his glory is going to be revealed in his voice when he speaks and he's saying, hear me. My sheep hear my voice. They, they know my voice and another they will not follow. The, the, the presence of God is not manifest when we gather in a stadium or in our services and, and we work up something and we conjure up something that's going to produce some type of soulless manifestation. The, 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 the voice of God is, is when we hear him, when we know him, when we walk in obedience 
to Him. And our life is not uh, constantly veering to the left or to the right, but we've literally set our faces like a flint, and we are in a relentless pursuit of the person and the presence of the Almighty God. So my, while my glory passage speaks of His presence, then He said, I will cover you with my hand. Folks, when, when it says that, when He told Moses, what He was speak to, speaking of is His authority and of His blessing. And so I'm going to cover you with my hand. And this is, once again, folks, listen, what happens is we, when we begin to look at this picture that he gave us uh, leading up to this, the, the outline of the New Testament to this revelation, we're going to see, I didn't know him, but he made a place for me at his table. He, he, he's, he's, he's given me uh, his truth that he might reveal his presence to me, that he might cover me with his hand and bring authority and blessing. Let me give you scripture on that. Isaiah 49, 16. Isaiah 49:16 says this. He said, "I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, and your walls are ever before me." Folks, I wonder if, if Isaiah, you know, I, I look at that and it's such a, a gospel of the of the of the of the of the Old Testament. You know, I, I look at Isaiah nine and six. I, I look throughout the Word of God, the fifty third chapter. This all these these chapters that reveal who Christ is, and, and really he he was. We were inscribed on the palms of his hands. When we begin to look at those nail scarred hands as as proof positive of his love, he did that. And, but that hand shows the authority that he had in offering himself as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Then in Mark ten fifteen and sixteen, Mark ten fifteen sixteen, he said, "Verily I say to you, whoever will not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will not enter therein." And he took them up in his arms. And he put his hands upon them and he blessed them. Folks, listen. He has put his hand of authority upon us. He has put his hand of blessing upon us that he might bring us to that place of revelation. Suffer the children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Let them come to me that I might put my hands all over you, that your life might have my fingerprints. That there might be evidence that you've been with me and I've been with you. That, that your life is not uh, marked by the, the, the DNA of who you were, but it's marked by the presence of God who's come in through His authority and through His blessing and through His transformation. And He's shaping who we are through His Word and through His power. And then He says, I will take away my hands. Now, folks, it's not, the, it's not the taking away of authority and blessing when He talks about taking away His hand. When God speaks of taking away His hand, we'll see it in Job 33, 7. And it says, surely no fear of me will terrify you, nor will my hand be heavy upon you. When it says, I will take away my hand, it speaks of, I'm going to remove judgment from you. I'm going to remove my judgment from you. So, folks, here's what happens. Once again, this, this outline of the, of the New Testament leading up to the Revelation. Listen, we, we did not know him. But he made an inheritance for us by extending the promise that he had made with, with Abraham to us uh, through the, the blood of his son Jesus. Not only that, but he brought the truth to the word to reveal himself. He, he brought his presence to convict of sin and of righteousness and judgment and to fill us. Then he, he covered us. He brought his authority upon us to, to showing that he was that, that the only price that could be paid. And he brought a blessing. And in the result of that, he removed judgment. The word says that God judges no man, but he commits all judgment under the hands of his son, Jesus. And Jesus said, I've come not into the world to condemn the world or to judge the world, but that the world through me might be saved. He's, he's pulled back. He's removed that, that heavy hand that Job mentioned in, in Job 33, 7. I'm not going to, my hand's not going to be heavy. I'm not going to re- uh, reward you according to your transgressions. I'm not going to reward you according to your, your iniquities. I'm going to reward you according to the revelation that you have have of myself, of my son, Jesus, he's coming. Then he says this, the next thing he says, he said, you will see my back. Folks, what this speaks of is the building up of faith 
and of hope. You will see my back. It speaks of the building up of faith and the building up of hope. Give you scripture on that. Exodus 3.1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Folks, listen, when God takes you, some of you may find yourself kind of on the backside of something. You're just seeing the backside of God's promises. You're seeing the backside of, of, of God's revelation. You're seeing the backside. But what that does for you is exactly the same thing it did for, for Moses. Folks, listen, there would not have been an Exodus 33 without an Exodus 3. You hear what I'm saying? Moses never would have had the opportunity to say, God, show me your glory. He would have never had the, the, the opportunity for God to speak to him, to hide him in the cleft of the rock, had he had not found himself building faith and building hope and, and being obedient on the backside of the wilderness. Folks, listen, if you're in a situation right now that God has got you on the backside of his presence, you're thinking, God, listen, I, I need to, to see something deeper. Folks, be faithful where you're at. Be faithful and look to him because what he's doing, he is building a faithfulness in you. He's building a perseverance. Some people, what ends up happening when they don't get the full provision of what God wants at the moment. Folks, listen, Moses, from the time that he was exiled from, Exodus, from, from Egypt until the time it was 40 years. I know people that can't wait for the Lord 40 minutes, let alone four years or, or four months or whatever it may be. Folks, you've got to come to the place that you're going to be faithful where God has you at. And you're going to allow God to build up faith in your life, you're going to allow God to build up hope. Why? Because Romans 8, 24 and 25 says this. Romans 8, 24 and 25 says this. It says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for anymore? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we have patience to wait for it. Folks, listen, if you're on the backside of something, you're only seeing the backside of God's promises, what God's doing, He's working patience in you. He's working something in you that's going to enable you to endure when the real trial comes. Because i got news for you, folks. I don't know what you're personally going through, or what you don't know maybe what I'm going through. But, folks, listen, this is, this is not the trial. This is, this is, this is not the, the, the culmination of the things that you're going to go through. Things are about to come upon the horizon. They're about to bust wide open in this world, not just here in the United States of America, but really worldwide, that are going to test your patience. They're going to test your endurance. They're going to test your faithfulness. We, we've talked about many times right here on this program and others about Second Timothy chapter 4, that the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. There will not be that endurance. Why? Because they, they've swayed. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But folks, when you hold on to hope, when, when you trust upon him, and when you say, listen, if, if I can just get a hold of his backside, if I can just get a little taste of what he's saying, if I could just hold on to the voice of God just for a minute, he's going to build something up in me. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith, obviously, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so what he's doing, he's building faith and love when we just see his back. And so finally, he says, my face will not be seen. My face will not be seen. And so he starts out with the exact same thing that he, that he said. He said, you cannot see my face. And he said, my face cannot be seen. But what he means in that second thing is this. He speaks of, I'm going to withhold revelation until the appointed or appropriate time. All of these things are happening, but my face will not be seen. It, it's not seen, period. What it's saying is, I'm, I'm, my face will not be seen right now. You know, we, we get the example of, of Moses that, you know, 1,500 years after he made that prayer, he got to be there at the Mount of Transfiguration. He got to see God, the glory of God. But for us, folks, as we see this outline, what he's saying is, listen, 
I'm, I'm, I've withheld revelation until an appointed or appropriate time. And what we're going to get through the revelation of the unveiling of Jesus in the studies of these 22 chapters is, is, is that appropriate and appointed time, I believe, for our lives. Now think about this. Matthew chapter 13, verses 15 through 17. The Gospel of Matthew 13, 15 through 17. It says, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest at any time that they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, come on, for they shall see in your ears, for they shall hear. For I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, but they've not seen them. To hear those things which you hear, and they've not heard them. Folks, listen. His face was not seen. We, we even just got that veiled look. and, and, and we, we saw him as Redeemer. We've seen him as Healer. We've seen him as, as Deliverer. We've seen him as Provider. All these things through the Gospels and, and through the Epistles. Then all of a sudden we rush upon this place and we get this, this revelation of Jesus Christ, this unveiling of him. All of those things, those were all just things that were demonstrative. Those were just characteristics of who he was. Now we're going to find really who he actually is in this unveiling. So, folks, what Moses wanted to see in Exodus 33 is being revealed in Revelation 1 through 22. And it's the unveiled glory of the living God. And that's what we're going to be looking at. Folks, listen, I want want to say this to you. The the study of the Revelation probably uh, may be or may have been probably one of the most important things that, that I've ever got into in my life. And, and folks, really, I think that in regards to your understanding of who Jesus Christ is, uh, you're going to really have to say, God revealed this to me. And, you're, and we're going to talk about some of the blessings that are promised and how he's going to reveal himself. But I think what you're going to see is, is some of you are going to see a, really a paradigm shift in your thinking and your attitude towards the things of God in this. You know, for me, it became a defining moment when I first had the opportunity as just a young man to, to sit and, and really systematically go through this book. You know, as a teenager, I was in a church and my, my, uh, my pastor was having a, a, uh, an adult Sunday school class on Sunday mornings. It wasn't a large church, and, but he was having several groups and, and he had announced that he's going to have an adult class and they're going to be studying the Revelation. And there was teenage classes and things like that, but I was just a teenager at the time, but I did not want to go to those things. As soon as I heard him saying, I want to, he's going to be teaching through the Revelation, just my, 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 my spirit just leapt within me and I said, you know what? I need to know that. I want to be a part of that. So I went to my pastor and I said, Pastor, you know what? I'm just, I may have been 15 years old at the time. And I said, I don't want to go to the teen stuff. Can, can I sit in on that? And so it was my pastor, it was, uh, 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 and two other people. It was just four of us in there. And, and both of these two other people were, were way up in age. I mean, they were probably 50 years older than I was at the time. So me sitting there with, with my pastor and these two people that were up in age and, and, and studying the, 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 the book of the Revelation. And, but for me, what it did, it created a hunger to know the presence of God. And, and you know, I, I found myself, you know, for a couple years, uh, you know, in, in rebellion even against the things of God, but probably not as much so as I could have been had I not tasted and seen just a, a brief revelation of him at that time. And so what it did for me is it built that. And I've, since, I've taught this in, in, in discipleship and I've, and I've studied this, this revelatory uh, uh, unveiling of Jesus since then. And still yet it serves for something in me that, that really caused me to turn the corner in my thinking. And folks, listen, all of your presuppositions about Jesus and how you should view him, I believe, will be changed when you diligently study the revelation. And, and I'm going to explain what I mean by that. 
if you're a small picture type of person uh, who's really kind of easily moved by your circumstances or, or what's happening at the moment or your, your, your next crisis, what the revelation of Jesus Christ will do for you is to alter your perception on things. That's what it's going to do for you. If, if you find yourself struggling in, in maybe a relationship or a job situation or with your children or whatever else, I, I believe as you get the unveiling of this and you get an understanding Really, a lot of that weight and the stress is going to be lifted off. For me, you know what? I'm, I'm not a high-stress individual whatsoever. And, and I believe the reason is because of what God has showed me through the revelation. It's changed the way I look at the picture. Because, folks, because of the eternal nature of what the revelation speaks of, you're going to see just how temporal-looking that your thinking has been. That's what you're going to see. You're going to say, I cannot believe how short-sighted I was in all these. And just how essential really it is for the devout follower of the Lord Jesus Christ to look through the eyes of eternity in regards to carrying out uh, the responsibility of one's walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to see something different. And and if you don't, uh, either one or two things have happened. I've either failed at, at, at being able to articulate what God is saying, or you failed in being diligent in seeking it. Because it's going to change your perception on things totally. And so, folks, I want to say this. You, you need to get a hold of this. And, and put this on the screen, Deb, so somebody can see it. The gospel and the epistles largely reveal the hand of the Lord. The gospel and the epistles largely reveal the hand of the Lord and how it serves to assist us in this life. I'll say that all together. The, the gospel and the epistles of the New Testament largely reveal the hand of the Lord and how it serves to assist us in this life. The revelation of Jesus reveals the face of the Lord and how we will assist him in eternal life. The gospel and the epistles largely reveal the hand of the Lord and how it serves to assist us in this life. The revelation of Jesus reveals the face of the Lord and how we will assist him in eternal life. And so hopefully I'm, 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 that just right there, I'm hoping that that kind of gives you a, a way of looking at this that may be just a little bit different than what you've thought out in the past. John 7, 37 and 39. John 7, 37 through 39. It said, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the Scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Now listen to that final part of verse 39. Because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So they were waiting on the glorification of that. He was speaking a promise, in a promise that we're going to see. Then John 20, let's jump down about 13 chapters. John 20, verses 12 through 17. This is after the, the Jesus' is, is, is death and burial and resurrection. And it says, And they saw two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet. This is when they went into the empty tomb where the body of Jesus had previously been laying. And they, they said unto her, Woman, why do you weep? And she said unto them, Because you have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where you have put him. And when she had said this, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and she did not know that it was Jesus. What does that say? You cannot see my face. She, he was there, but she did not have a revelation or an unveiling of him at that point. And Jesus said to her, why do you weep? Uh, why do you, uh, why, who do you seek? She's supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir... If you have uh, borne him hence, or if you've taken him, tell me where you've laid him, 
and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned to herself and said unto him, Rabboni, that is to say, Master. And Jesus said unto her, Do not touch me, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to your brethren and say unto them, I will ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Folks, she didn't get to touch him because he had not yet gone to the father. But folks, I got news for you. He has gone to the Father and He has given us the opportunity and He has given us the door through His Word and through this unveiling to finally to touch Him and we finally get to see Him for who He is. See, folks, some of you have, have, have been like Mary that didn't see Him. You, you've wanted to touch Him and, and, and you didn't see Him in His glory. But folks, listen, once we remove Jesus from the veil, that is His flesh, once we remove Him from that place of, of who He was when He dwelt here and we see Him as that King of kings and Lord of lords, what it does, it entitles us to touch Him. The reason some of you have not been intimate with him, have not touched him, have not seen his face, because you're, you've either kept him on the cross, you've either kept him as that lowly servant, you've either kept him as that carpenter's son, you've kept him uh, uh, from everything except what he has totally revealed. All of those things have a benefit. That He has a benefit as a redeemer. He has a benefit as a healer. He has a benefit as a as a deliverer. He has a benefit as a provider. But folks, listen, when, when he has gone to the Father, what he's allowed us to do is touch him in an intimate way that's going to transcend all of those things. Things as, limit, as, as, as limited as they are, and we're going to be able to see him who he really is. And that's what I believe that God wants to do. So this, 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 this book of Revelation, this unveiling, what it's going to do for us is to allow that veil to be pulled back. It's going to allow us to, to, to move past the, 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 the hurt of the, the garden tomb. It's going to uh, move past the limitations of, of who we thought he was and to touch him and to see him. For who he is. I've got just a few minutes. I want to kind of lay the groundwork. We're going to start. We're, we're actually, you, you, this, this whole basis that we're doing is to, to prepare you for what we're going to start tomorrow when we get into to verse 1. But I want to just kind of give you just a little bit of information uh, as we've got about five, probably five or six minutes left in today's program. Folks, what this is, is really, it's, it's a letter and it was written to John. And I want to, I want to give some of these facts to you. It's, it's John who, was, who, was, who had been exiled upon the Isle of Patmos. And so, folks, listen, many times when God gives you a revelation, it's out of a place of isolation. And so many times for you, and I know for me, is, is revelation is birthed out of isolation. And when, when I say isolation, I mean not apart from Him, but apart from everything else. It's when I'm apart from the cares of this world, when I'm apart from, the, from, from, from all the struggles and the things that I go to, that God begins to reveal Himself to us. And I believe that's the exact same thing that happened to John. You know, John, because he, he was persecuted for the testimony of Jesus Christ, that, that he was sent to this Isle of Patmos. He was, he was there. He was in a place of isolation. He was a place that all the voice of circumstance, all the voice of situation, all these other things that had troubled him was no longer heard. And all he had to do was to get before God, to say, God, I've got to hear from you. And he, and he received this testimony of the, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Kind of a fact, uh, some factual things. This letter was written to the seven churches that are uh, located in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And so those were the churches of, uh, in, in the cities, and there were cities that these churches were in. It was Ephesus, uh, Smyrna, uh, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. You don't need to put those on the screen. We'll be getting into those in, in the coming weeks. But you see these seven churches that, that he gave. What's exciting for me as I think about this, this coming March, I'm going to be in Turkey. I'm going to be in the, in the place that the revelation was speaking about. And so I'm really excited about that. And, and I'm hoping that I can work out the logistics on it. And, and maybe we'll actually broadcast 
uh, two weeks. I'll be there for two solid weeks. We'll actually broadcast the teaching on the book of Revelation from the places where these letters were written to. And so I, I get excited when I, when I, when I think about, uh, about what, what he's saying and the opportunities he's given us. And so here we are. We have John writing this letter, this revelation to these seven churches. And we'll, we'll get into really what that means and, and, and who he's talking about. But, uh, Really, we've got to ask ourselves, too, what is kind of the meaning of this letter? And, and should the words be taken literally? Should they be taken as symbolic? Uh, does this letter concern uh, just events that, that happened in the day of John? Or did they uh, include futuristic events? Was, uh, was, was this John, John the Apostle? Was it another John? Does this letter refer to events that are going to affect Israel or, or events that are going to affect the church? Uh, and, and so all of these questions that we're going to be answering as we continue in the study. And so, first of all, I want, to, I want to give you who wrote the book of Revelation. Let's look at the authorship of this just for a second as we lay the, the groundwork for, for building on this, this unveiling of Jesus. And, and, and so from the letter, we know the person who wrote the contents was named John. We said in Revelation 1, 1, in verse 4, verse 9, in uh, chapter 21, verses uh, 2. Chapter 22, verse 8. And so we, we know that the person that wrote it was somebody named John, just because his name is obviously in this. And so, but I want to give you some things. Prior, folks, literally to the third century, there was absolutely no dispute whatsoever on who wrote this letter. Since then, you may see something maybe in your commentary. Well, it's doubtful that he did or people quit. Prior to the third century, no one doubted that it was the Apostle John who wrote this letter. Uh, the Bishop of Alexandria, his name was Dionysius. He lived from 200 to, to 265 A.D. Uh, he, was, he was kind of the first one that kind of raised the, the question of, this, uh, uh, of John being the author. And, and he claimed that just because, it, because of the writing style that it, it, it kind of lacked a, a, an apostolic claim. But folks, I told you already, this is different. All those things showed the hand of God. This is showing the face of God. And so when, when this, 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 uh, the Bishop of Alexandria, he said that, he wasn't even looking at it on what God was wanting to, to, to re- reveal at that, that, that period of time. But the early church attributed authorship to the Apostle John. Justin Martyr, many of you guys have, have heard of him. He lived from 100 to 165 A.D. And in his writings, he quotes uh, John the Apostle that Jesus uh, Christ would dwell in Jerusalem 1,000 years. So he quotes things regarding the, the, uh, the, the, the revelation. Irenaeus, 120 to 200 A.D. Uh, he, he, he quotes basically every chapter of the revelation in his writing. Tertullian, uh, 155 to 220 A.D. All quotes from almost every chapter of the revelation. And he specifically attributes John the Apostle's author. Uh, Hippotius from 170 to 235 A.D. He attributed uh, the revelation to John. He actually quotes uh, extensively from Revelation 17 and 18 a great deal. Uh, Clement of Alexandria, uh, 150 to 211 A.D. Uh, Oregon, 185 to 254 A.D. Attributed to Apostle John, the author of Revelation. Ignatius, 30 to 108, writes regarding John the Apostle. So all those, all those things were, were specific uh, to the authorship of John. And so and, and, and you think about the facts that are surrounding this revelation that we're going to begin to see. Uh, number one, Peter had already been crucified. Paul and James had already been slain. John had been banished to, to Patmos. Stephen had been stoned to death. Uh, but, but none of these things literally were the fulfillment of the revelation of Christ. And that's what we're going to see. And so one of these things I, I want to talk about is... Uh, 
is how to look at this. You know, there's different views on, on how to look at the book of Revelation. I'm trying to wrap these up really quick because they're, they're not the important part of what we're talking about, but you really need to look at it. One of them is the symbolic. You write these down for me, Deb, so people will have these. These are, these are four different ways that people read the book of the Revelation. Then I'll tell you how we're going to be studying. One is symbolic. One is preteritist, which is P-R-E-T-E-R-R-I-S-T, or preterist, P-R-E-T-E-R-I-S-T. Third is historical, and the fourth is futuristic. And so each one of these, these, these ways of looking at things, and some of you folks, depending on the commentary you have in your Bible, me, i got a Bible with no commentary. I don't, I don't want somebody else's viewpoint. I want the revelation of the Spirit of God. And so, but some of your Bibles are going to have one of these, these four viewpoints in the margins. And so they're going to try to dictate the way that you get revealed. And so you ask yourself, number one, is, is the book of Revelation symbolic or literal? Do the words mean what they say in a literal sense or they depl- imply another meaning? Uh, does Israel really mean Israel, or does Israel speak of the church? That's some things that we're going to understand. And so when you look at these two views, there's really two, within those four, there's two schools of thought. One of it is covenant, and one of it is dispensational. Covenant and dispensational. What covenant theology teaches is that the church became a replacement for Israel in every relationship that God had with people. And so covenant theology says that, that, that the issue of Israel is a moot point. The church is, has, has taken over. So any time that the scripture speaks of, of Israel, it's really talking about the church now because uh, that, that theology says that once uh, Adam's fall, God promised salvation through the Messiah. And it was ministered at first through Israel, but now it's administered through the church, which includes believing Israel. The second is dispensational theology, which views the church in Israel as two distinct groups with separate dispensations. And, and literally, the word dispensation, all it means is a type of administration, administration of things. And in dispensational theology, what it, what, what it does, it, it understands verses applied to Israel to really mean Israel, and verses that apply to the church to really mean the church. And, and folks, I'm going to teach from a dispensational theological perspective, not this covenant theology that, that teaches that you have spinoffs like British Israelism and says that we're really the Jews. And all. I, don't, I don't teach that because I don't believe that's what Scripture teaches. And I think you're going to see that as we get into that. And so what dispensational says is, listen, that, that prior to the church, we were under the dispensation of law. And that dispensation of law was administered or dispensed or dispersed by the Jews, by God. And we got into a lot of that in the Romans teaching. And, but now what happened is we are now under the dispensation of grace and the dispensation that he has given us for the church. And, and so I teach from a dispensational. So what you're going to see is you're going to see, and I believe unfolded, these dispensations, even as we study the seven churches of Asia Minor. And so I'm going to give you just a quick, brief definition of those, those four approaches I gave you. What symbolic is, is it, the symbolic approach, basically it, it says that, that, that method interpretation just shows that all these things are just kind of symbolic and they really don't have a whole, they're just a big, great allegorical story. And so there's really not a lot of truth for it. It's just a big story of the way things kind of were. It's kind of like, just like, like a big picture that kind of gives you all these, these metaphors. That's what the symbolic approach is. And you'd be surprised at how many people teach the symbolic approach. The, the, the rest is the, the, the pre-terrorist interpretation, or what that means basically is the past interpretation. And what that says is that everything has already happened. That everything that John wrote about in the book of Revelation, that's, that's history. 
Those things have already happened. We're not waiting for those things to be unveiled. There's going to be some major problems with that that we're going to find as we get into the later chapters of that and even the earlier chapters. And so the pre-terrorist interpretation believes that all those things had already happened. Uh, then you get the historic uh, approach, which reviews that those things that they were kind of a chronological sequence of events and from the time of the writing until the uh, time of Christ. And, and they believe really that those things have, have happened uh, as well like that. But what they do is they substitute the church for Israel. And so those that have the historical interpretation, they're a little bit different from the pre-terrorists because the pre-terrorists believe that it happened to the Jews. The historical interpretation believes that those things happened to the church, but they're still past. I'm going to teach from what I believe is, is more lines up with the scripture. And that's the, 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 the futuristist or the futurist approaches or interpretation. And that reveals that that says that really what the revelation is, is, is a prophetic word regarding things that are about to unfold, that are going to be imminent. And I believe we're going to see a lot of those things happen. So you have those four approaches. She's going to put those on the on the screen. And but we're going to we're going to look at it as we get into this. From from the dispensational theological perspective, with the futurist interpretation of that dispensationalism, folks, we are totally totally out of time today. Uh, we used to say about the Romans, it's the fastest hour on the internet. There's so 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 much for it. But I encourage you to be back with us tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be here at nine o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Get your pen and paper out. I believe God's going to reveal some things. The the, the first few verses are going to reveal so much. I believe, not in just relationship to the, the, the unveiling of Jesus, but how it really is going to affect us at this moment in time and what we have. Folks, I encourage you to be back. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, you can go to our website at www.biggrace.com. That's B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E.com. If you have questions about the teaching, uh, uh, comment, whatever, you can send that to raven at biggrace.com, R-A-V-E-N at B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E.com. We'd love to answer your questions. If you have prayer requests, send them, those in as well. And don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow. 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another uh, discussion and an unveiling of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Folks, my advice doesn't change. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.